Good morning. You may be wondering and thinking and not knowing what to expect. I'm kind of the same way. (laughs) It's just going to be long, it's just going to be short. Abraham Lincoln uh, was said he said that he said one he was invited one time to uh, speak to this particular group and they said how long do you need how much time do you need to prepare to speak to us and uh, they asked him that and he said well how long do you want me to speak if you want me to speak for 10 minutes I will need two weeks to get ready but if you want me to speak for two hours I'm ready right now <laughs> So, so, <laughs> will this go long? Will we go short? I'm not sure. Hopefully closer to 10 minutes than two hours. Um, open your Bibles, if you will, uh, to Colossians chapter 1. And um, if you will, open your Bibles. Grab a Bible. There should be one there in the pew in front of you if you have, didn't happen to bring yours today. We're going to, as Adam very graciously alluded to, we're going to spend a lot of time looking at Scripture reading the word and so when you read it God uh, can do that in your mind he can speak into your mind and he can uh, he can transform us so yeah Kale Kale is staying with us and um, he had some issues last night but he thought he was fine and then he texted me this morning about 10 after 6 and said sorry Bo I can't make it Uh, and so um, (laughs) so so God, God says something very serious to people he calls to preach the gospel. He said, uh, Paul said it to Timothy and to us, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Paul looked at Timothy and through this written word, he said, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. God calls us to speak in season and out of season. This is one of those out of season ones, for sure. And uh, just thankful to the Lord and his leadership. We just feels like today he's been working this together. Of course, having Brian and Hannah here and sharing their hearts and vision and exhorting us to evangelism uh, just is, is sovereign and wonderful. Uh, I, on Wednesday, I went to a seminar at a church uh, by a, a pastor named Tony Payne who wrote a book with another brother called The Trellis in the Vine and some other books he's written. Uh, he's from Australia um, as well. And uh, he's written some other books on evangelism. He was teaching on how you incorporate a culture of evangelism in your church, how you develop that. And he started with Colossians, uh, kind of started with Colossians 1, 28, 29, which says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy. He that he powerfully works within me. So we're going to ask Jesus to work in us, to energize us, to to warn us, to teach us that we can become mature disciples of Christ. So would you pray with me?
Lord, just remember Paul when he was afflicted in his flesh and cried out to you three times to be delivered. And you said, well, you didn't deliver him, but you said, uh, my strength is perfected in your weakness. Paul then said he rejoiced in his weaknesses that the power of Christ might be revealed. Lord, we are weak. Lord, we've sung about it this morning. We know the reality of it. Father, we are dependent on your word. I am weak. Lord, I am always weak when I stand here and insufficient. So Lord, we ask you to come now and make your word come alive to us by your spirit that you would, that you would stir us, that you would, uh, that you would establish us, that we would be changed by your word. Build your church, we pray today, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So Tony Payne, really very interesting, and I hope the more I can share more about it and even adopt some of the things that they're doing. He has really kind of interesting way of, of tying things together, laying them out with a kind of makes sense. And he has this, uh, this left, he draws it on the board, this left to right movement of someone moving on in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So Jesus called for repentance, and he announced the coming kingdom. And discipleship, he says, is moving to the next step toward the kingdom. Discipleship is moving toward, to the next step toward the kingdom of God. So in our lives, as we're going to be presented to be like Christ, complete in Christ is as uh, Colossians 1, 29 says, 28, 29 say, that is, what is the next step for us? So he, he put up this grid where left to, yeah, left to right. It's my left, so you're left to right. So he, he put four boxes. The first is engage. So talking about someone who doesn't know the Lord, you first have to engage them. You first have to talk to them. Maybe it's someone you know. Maybe it's your, in your family. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's your parents, your children. Maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it's someone you shop, you know, in your neighborhood, your neighbors. So you begin to engage them in love and friendships. And maybe they know you're a Christian and they're aware of, of how it influences your life. That's a whole part of coming to be able to, to help someone move one step closer to the kingdom of God or on toward the kingdom of God. But the next box is evangelize. So you engage, then you evangelize. And evangelize, he talks about as, as when you are presenting the gospel in a way that calls for a decision. So it's not just talking about what God's doing in your life or how you love God or how great he is, which those things are important and you should, and that's part of engagement and never ends, right? But, but there's that place of evangelism where you've gotten to a place in that person's life where they can hear you share the whole gospel. And he said there's two important elements of the gospel and one of which we tend to lean more towards in our current culture and that is towards the atonement, towards Jesus died for your sin, come be forgiven. And that is the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. He, was, he knew no sin, became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. It's the free gift of God. By grace you're saved through faith. That is out of yourself, it's a gift of God. Marvelous truth. And that is important part of the gospel. But there's another part that's equally important, and that is that you are called to repent 
and receive Jesus Christ as Lord. That you are called into a life where you no longer live for yourself, you now live for Christ, who is ruler and reigner over all the earth and all the universe. And he says, sometimes in our zeal, we forget to call people to repentance and faith. So, so there's, so engaged and we evangelize. Once they receive the Lord, then, then we establish. We're working to establish them in the faith, to ground them in the practice, to understand the scripture, to know how to live in this world and to, to walk in the things of the Lord. So we're establishing them. And then um, the fourth box, the fourth box is equip. Uh, and this is just a construct, it's not a perfect thing, but he says equipping is more of a move of character. I mean, there's certainly a lot of an equipping and teaching and training and things we can learn and things we can know and all that's good, but in his idea here, equipping is where we move in a place of character to tell others about Jesus. And he they posed a question that was striking to me, it was penetrating to me, it was provoking to me. It's where you answer the question, do you love God enough to help other people come to love Him? Do you love Jesus enough to help other people come to know Him? And so you've traveled from engagement to evangelize, to establish, to equip, and now you come back around and you start engaging and evangelizing and helping people move one step closer on into the kingdom. So um, he'll, we're going to read through the book of Colossians, not all of it, just most of it. <laughs> we're going to read, uh, I've got three points somewhere on my tablet. Um, point number one, if you are a Christian, you have been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of His beloved Son. That's the gospel. That's what happens. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, Ephesians chapter 2 says, and you were made alive together with Christ. God acted sovereignly upon you, like Brian. Thank you for being a great illustration for me today, Brian. I'm going to come back to you. Brian, just God moved. He went to sleep. An atheist woke up a Christian. That was God, God's sovereignty. So if you are a Christian, and that's an if, if you are a Christian, that means your life has been possessed by Christ. You were in the domain of darkness. You were an enemy of God. You hated God. You may have thought you loved Him. You may have had warm thoughts about God. But in, at the bottom, of, at the end of the day, He was your enemy. Nonetheless, He loved you and He grabbed you and brought you out of darkness and put you in to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Point number one. Point number two, therefore, because that's happened, set your affections on pleasing God. And number three, because you have your affections on, on, on serving God and you're blown away at the gospel, work to advance the gospel. Three points. Okay, point number one. If you're a Christian, you've been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Um, we're going to read a big chunk of Colossians here. And uh, 
is, is, is you probably will remember when I preach, I typically don't read from my Bible. Typically read from my iPad because I can make it 22 font so I can see it without my glasses. I've talked about this before, I think. Sometimes I'm on the ministry, Mike, and you guys bring me up your Bible. And you're like, hey, I want to read this text. And it's like a 1.5 font. It's like, I, I, I can't see that with a microscope. What, you, just, what does it say? Just tell me. Okay, that's all right. It's the Bible. It's got to work, right? So I, I got to read my glasses. Grab my glasses. We're going to read chunks of scripture here. So uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. So you follow along with me. This is God's unchanging word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our brother, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ and on your behalf, and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the first day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I can't stop. Let's keep going. Because here we come. Here's Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. 
If you are in Christ today, it is because the preeminent Christ, the one before all things, by whom all things were made and for whom all things were made, who is the beginning and the end, who is in the image of God, who is God's very self in earth. This Jesus loved you personally. If you know him and he died for you and he took your sin upon him and if you're in the kingdom of God you have been forgiven of all your sin you are born again and you will live forever in glory with Christ hallelujah that is the gospel you have been seized in this domain of darkness you were dead in your sins and trespasses and trespasses and you were made alive together with Christ Violence of God seized you, changed you, transformed you, claimed you, bought you, owned you, sinned you by His glory. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our lives transformed for His glory. Our lives changed for His purposes. That's why he says, look at verse 28 again. That's why he lands on this. Him we proclaim. Warning everyone. And teaching everyone. With all wisdom. That we may present everyone. Mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. If you are born again, if you know Jesus, if you've been transformed and taken from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, there is an energy at work in you. Not only to teach you how to walk in a godly way, but to help others do the same. To toil for the faith of others, that they would be perfected in Christ. If you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you want to please Him with your life. So point number two, therefore, set your affection on pleasing God. Flip over to chapter 3 of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above not on things that are on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So what? Then what? So what, Lord? I love you. I love you, Lord. I'm hidden with you. I love you, Jesus. So what? So what? Okay, but put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry on account of these things, the wrath of God 
is coming. Strange almost that Paul here writing to Christians sort of looks like, looks up from the page like I do right now and looks at them and says, if you live like that, secret sin, sexual morality, sinfulness, the wrath of God is coming for you. Wait, 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 I just said I was saved. Well, okay, how are you living? Put off, therefore, the works of the flesh. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Verse 7. In these things you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. So, so we put off all that was earthly, in us. And he says, put on then. It's God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we have this great salvation. We have this Lord who's risen, who's reigning, who's seated now in heavenly places. We have Jesus who lived this life righteously, never sinned, died, was resurrected, and now lives in glory. And he holds out to us forgiveness in his name. This great salvation. And he says, come. Here's what that's like. When I'm in you, your life is characterized by putting off those old things. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 2, lay aside those sins that so easily entangle you. Those entangling sins. The most shocking unforgiveness. How could I, I mean, not that I don't struggle with it sometimes. I'm not above that, but... 
Jesus died for me. Jesus died for you. You didn't get what you wanted in life. You didn't get what you needed. You didn't get what you thought you deserved. You didn't get, really, and not just some, like I wanted a new car, like a good husband, a good wife, believing children, health. You didn't get those things. But you got Christ. You got Jesus. He loves you so much, he died for you. He's calling you to an eternal kingdom. There is a day coming when he'll wipe away every tear. Every confusion will be clarified. Every doubt will be expunged. Every fear will be allayed. You'll be standing at him in, before him in glory, and you will be like him, the Bible says. Sinless, not wanting to sin, not able to sin. Forgiven as you are now. So, put off earthly things. And put on Christ. Set your affections on things above. That call in our lives to live holy for God. Church is not a side gig. We gather here together to encourage one another. And if you're watching from home, sorry you can't be here if you're ill. I'm glad you can watch on with us. But right here, folks, this is where God equips us, strengthens us. Hebrews 3 says, encourage one another daily as long as it's called a day so that no one fall victim to an evil, unbelieving heart. We're called together. Earlier we were doing what, what it says here in verse, uh, chapter 3, um, Verse, it's in here, where'd it go? Uh, yes, 16, 316. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This is where God strengthens and equips us. This is where we help put on those things. When we're gathered together and we're hearing the word preached and we're singing the word. How many of you were affected by the, by the truth of Scripture and, and helped just by the songs you sang today? I think, I think we all were in some ways. And we're here together and God's changing us. So... So, since we have been born again, we set our affections on things above where Christ is. This is not our side gig. This is our main gig. Not to say that this meeting is our main gig or that somehow, you know, our lives are full and not, not segmented. But there's only one kingdom that's going to survive for all time. Look around and see the challenge in the world around you. And there's no answer out there. The answer is right here. The answer is in Christ. So, put to death the deeds of the body. Put on Christ. Live to please Him. Be focused on Him. Point number three, because you've been delivered from the domain of darkness, transferred to the kingdom of His beloved Son, and because you're setting your affections on pleasing him, Paul lands us here, starting in verse 2, on equipping. 
were established in Christ, now he's talking about the then what? How we then live, how we then interact, how we then walk, what our focus is on, what our main gig is. He says this, Colossians chapter four, verse two. So, having said all that, and then some, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Brian and Hannah are praying for open doors. And yes, it's important to love, but you have to be able to give the gospel clearly in a way they can understand. That's why you're gonna study a language for about 10 years. at least a year or two, and then continually. Because he said, that I may make it clear. God calls us to pray that a door would be opened for the gospel for the people around us, for those we talked about earlier that are in our neighborhood, in our homes, where we shop, where we work. Not only that, but Paul here praying, we pray for the ministry of the gospel in our church, please. We pray for missionaries around the world. We pray for Sovereign Grace churches. We pray for church planting. We pray for those people, as many as you want to, right? But those who God's called us into connection with, that's where we are in the wall. Nehemiah, the families found a place in the wall and the families built the wall together. So God builds us relationally with people those are people we should be praying for. Not that we can't pray for the guys on the other side of the wall. We can, we should. It's okay. Can ever pray enough? Seth's immortal words earlier. Never pray enough. But this is what increasingly should capture and captivate our hearts. God, open a door for the gospel. Let us speak it clearly. And then he says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So, so the apostle is calling us, Christ Jesus through scripture is calling us with this attitude of how we engage people who don't know the Lord. And each other as well, right? But, but walk with wisdom, making the best use of the time. So how many of you have had the experience, like I have all too often, where I'll engage someone in some activity, some situation, maybe I know them well, maybe I know them well at all, something comes up and there's like there's this opportunity. There's this open door. And I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe should I say something? I think I should. Well, you know, and then we're gone. Then we've moved on. They're gone. Doors closed. Ever had that experience? 
Lord, what an idiot I am. He's like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> God's calling us to tune our minds to that. Not just to turn it on and turn it off, like, okay, yeah, I'm going out evangelizing, which we, would be a good thing to do. I'm just convicted, as I was listening to Tony Payne teach, just convicted, yes, yes, I preach the gospel often to you guys, and you're a wonderful fruit. I can be delighted in seeing the grace of God and seeing your lives change, and I do see God's grace in your lives so often. It's such a joy. I have the honor, really, the, of knowing some of your troubles, and then I have the glorious honor of seeing God's grace at work when that happens. God, the gospel at work here is wonderful. But then, you, but then there's always this danger of the Christian ghetto where it's like, okay, as for no more, and it's all in here, and you know, yeah, we hope something happens out there, but we're not really sure. No, I'm convicted, Lord. I, yeah, I have people I'm praying for, I have people I'm reaching out to. But when's the last time I shared the gospel with a call for a, for a decision? Been a while. I shared the gospel, I haven't called for a decision. So, so God's calling us to this place of wisdom this walk of wisdom, where we're, we're tuned in, we're, tur- we're turned on, we're geared, we're thinking for that opportunity. And that's a muscle that we have to develop. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let me read to you a little bit of a quote from C.S. Lewis. This is from his sermon called The Weight of Glory. And there's 22 fonts, so I can read it. <laughs> he says this, he says, and, and glory is a weight. The weight of glory is this weight. And it's not about us achieving great things, it's about seeing people come to know God and Christ. He says, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long we are, in some degree, helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. In the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another. All friendships, all loves, all plays, all politics, There are no ordinary people. You've never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, art, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is like to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors are everlasting splendor.
This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play, but our merriment must be of the kind, and it is in fact the merriest kind, which exists between people who have, from the outside, taking each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. And our charity must be a real and costly love, with deep feeling for the sins, in spite of which we love the sinner. No mere tolerance or indulgence with parody's love as flippancy, parody's merriment. Next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest thing presented to your senses. If he is your Christian neighbor, he is holy in almost the same way for in him also Christ, the glorifier and the gloried, Glory himself is truly hidden. Christ is hidden and the brother or sister by your side, truly. And those we meet day to day are going to have one of two destinies. Let's help him move one step closer to the kingdom. Amen. We'll take a minute here and pray, and I'd like for you to pray first, first yourself to pray. Interact over Scripture. I, I may have gotten more in the way than been helpful, but you heard the Word of God, <laughs> which is perfect. God may have, hopefully God did, make something stand out to you in that time. There may be a sin you need to confess and forsake. You may need to stand up and walk over and get help from somebody. God may put on your mind people that he'll have you reach out to. Or he may just put on your mind people that you're already reaching out to that you can pray for. I want to call you to do a few minutes of work application with God. I'll pray briefly, then I'll pause, like for each one of us to spend some time in prayer, then I'll close this in prayer. So Lord, we, we do not judge your word. Your word judges us. <laughs> Lord, we are, this measuring tape of your word is held out before us today and we often are found lacking then we remember it's not of us, it's of you. So we become encouraged. But we, want, we don't want to be forgetful hearers of the word, but faithful doers of the word. So Lord, speak to us now. Stir our hearts to respond in faithful prayer. So respond to the Lord in prayer now, if you will.
We thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, laying asunder soul from spirit. Lord, we thank you for your word. It does not go forth and come back void, but accomplishes the perfect for which it was sent. Lord, do that work in us. Father, Lord, not in some artificial way, but Lord, out of our love for you. Lord, let us be so aware of you that we proclaim you to those around us. Pray for those open doors of ministry. Give us grace that we can speak clearly. In Jesus' name, amen.